You are listening to a sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Galatians 5, beginning in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so as we have pointed out before, We're not under the law. We are led by the Spirit. We are to live a life of faith in Christ Jesus. And uh, many would have thought, especially having been raised and trained by the law, if you tell people they're not under the law, well, they'll just do whatever. Uh, They'll, you know, they'll go to coveting and they'll go to murdering and they'll they'll go to uh, Sabbath breaking and uh, they'll go to God's name in vain taking and uh, graven idol making and, and all the rest because, hey, there's no law. Uh, But Paul says, no, that's not the way for us. Uh, We, as Christians, led by the Spirit, uh, we have things that restrain us. We have this spiritual law, uh, that which uh, is written on our hearts and in our minds. uh, In Christ Jesus and those things then will uh, keep us in the right way. So we have tonight our closing. We have two more sins listed. And then Paul goes ahead and says, well, and things like this. Uh, the such the such like uh, is is uh, involved as well. So j- just because uh, I didn't say it, uh, just because I didn't put it on uh, this list, uh, doesn't mean it's not there. Doesn't mean it's not important. Uh, doesn't mean uh, you know it's still not wrong. But uh, these are the big ones. So we had this great list. All of these things of the flesh to deny. We had the things of self control. Uh, and lack of it, uh, immorality and impurity, sensuality, particularly sexual sins, sins of false religion, the idolatry and the sorcery, the sins of bad temper, uh, enmity and strife and jealousy, outburst of anger. Then the bad relationships and the bad interactions with people that these first things caused, disputes, dis- dissensions, factions, and envying. And then... Uh, tonight we have our, our last uh, little list, those things of misuse of substances, drunkenness and carousing. Now, we know we're going to the thing the Spirit produces instead, which was to fill our lives, love, joy, peace, uh, patience, kindness, and goodness. So these things of inward attitude and these things put on outward display, and then the other goods as well, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so tonight, as we look at our last two enumerated things, drunkenness 
and carousing. Remember, these will not be all the things, but of drunkenness and carousing. Uh, we're going to have things uh, where people let uh, different substances, in this case, particularly alcohol, uh, but uh, uh, nothing would limit these principles to alcohol alone. There's a lot of other substances uh, that people misuse. And so it uh, is a work of the flesh. And so we'll find, especially, I think, from the Old Testament uh, uh, records that uh, these things bring ruin to people's lives and that Christians are to steadfastly and completely uh, avoid them. And so we start with uh, drunkenness. Well, uh, if you go to all the fancy dictionaries and lexicons, it basically just means to be intoxicated. Don't be intoxicated. And then our second one, and we'll go ahead and take them out of order. Uh, we'll go ahead, well, we'll take it before the explanation. We'll just go ahead and define carousing now because uh, we, we kind of go from the greater, uh, the just out and out drunk, to the um, possibly lesser, but not always, uh, carousing, or the King James gives us uh, revelry. And I, I really like the, uh, the dictionary definition of this. In this case, the, the guy writing the dictionary, I think, got a little bit poetic. Uh, he got had fun writing this definition about reveling or carousing. This is a quote from Thayer's. Revel or carousal. In Greek writings, a nocturnal and riotous possession of half-drunken and frolicsome fellows who after dinner parade through the street with torches and music in honor of Bacchus or some other deity and sing and play before the houses of their friends and hence generally a feast and drinking parties that are protracted until late in the night and indulge in revelry. So I think he had a little bit of flight of fancy there with his dictionary definition. We don't usually get that much in the dictionary about uh, uh, half-drunken and frolicsome fellows uh, on a torch-lit uh, parade. Uh, another a little bit more calm dictionary uh, gives us a, a, a carousal as a festival in honor of Dionysus. So uh, Dionysus or Bacchus the Greek god of wine, or the Roman god of wine. So we'd have the, uh, in English still, uh, the rather obscure term, Bacchanalia, uh, which is usually, uh, you know, an excessive party in the highfalutin circles. Uh, but an excess of feasting and of revelry. I always like to summarize it this way. It's an ancient keg party. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun, is what Solomon said. So here is the, the place uh, where drunkenness often takes place. And the thing about that kind of party is it, it's wrong in and of itself, even if you are not fully on drunk. Because uh, one thing about a party like that, a lot of guys say, well, I know I, I was I know I know was a little bit gone, but did you see that other guy? Or did you, did you see Tim or Tom or Bill or Bob? Um, boy, they really tied one on. So there's always a drunker fellow. But the fact that you're involved in the thing, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's sin enough. Uh, it, it's not a, it's not a you know a righteousness by comparison to the worst guy there at this uh, at this party. So drunkenness and carousing and, and you know it's amazing um, these words uh, often appear together uh, in scripture in Romans thirteen and thirteen. Let's behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality. Not in strife and jealousy. Well, there's a nice set of uh, four pairings, uh, which very much copy this works of the flesh. And it says, but put on instead the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans, 4, Romans 13, 14, and make no provision 
for the flesh in regard to its lust. Uh, we also find um, uh, drunkenness uh, uh, with uh, uh, terrible sins in uh, 1 Corinthians 6. Don't be thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, not revelers, but revilers, nor swindlers. These will not inherit the kingdom of God. And in uh, uh, Luke 21, be on guard. So your heart is not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. And that that day would come upon you like a trap. And so there, the heart is weighed down. That's why we don't want to be engaged in this. These things weigh down. They distract the heart. Uh, one more passage where drunkenness and carousals are uh, directly again paired is First Peter 4, uh, 3 through 5. And for the time past is already sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, of lust, drunkenness, carousals, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. And so there's not just the pair, the drinking, uh, the drunkenness there, and the carousing, but it also goes on to give you drinking parties, where the King James will give us the very old-fashioned word, banqueting. And so in that passage, uh, I think what we have is the more socially acceptable places where there's an excess of wine. So in carousing, we just sort of, you know, have street level. We have, again, you know, a keg party or a college frat party level of goings-on. And then in banqueting, uh, well, we'd have what the professors do, right? So the students are out there carousing. The professors are a little, you know, higher class. Uh, they're just at a drinking party. They're just at a banquet. Uh, but again, it's the same excess of substance. It's the same effect uh, on the mind and the body. It's the same uh, sin that we're not to do. In all of this, it says that people are surprised that you don't run with them to the same excess of dissipation, that you don't uh, go along with these excesses. And so uh, it's, it's a, a thing that Christians are to avoid. It's a thing that is not befitting uh, the, the Christian life. Now, recently in a, one of the Bible classes taught here, uh, there was some discussion about drinking uh, from a biblical perspective. And one of the things that uh, was brought up was the question of, well, how do we know when one is drunk? Uh, how do, how, what it, it says don't be drunk. It says, uh, you know, don't have an excess of wine. It says don't be addicted to much wine uh, when we have the qualifications of elders and deacons. And so uh, the, the scriptures seem to posit uh, the use, and we certainly see in ancient cultures the, the regular use uh, of alcoholic beverages, but... What is it that makes it drunkenness? Is there a Bible standard for that? Is there, is there a way to define from the scriptures where we would find uh, drunkenness? Uh, again, um, Ephesians 5.18, don't get drunk with wine. And then my translation, the American Standard says, for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Uh, don't be filled with wine. It is a dissipation. Um, some translations say it's excessive. Well, when's it excessive? Um, I kind of like this one. Uh, this is from the Holman Christian Standard. It says it leads to reckless action. Or the Berean Study Bible, not a real common Bible, but a rather literal Bible. The Berean Study Bible says 
which leads to reckless indiscretion. And so drunkenness is that which leads to recklessness or excess. One of the things we'll find that the scriptures will certainly say is that alcohol has this uh, really deleterious, terrible, uh, bad effect on our mental faculties when used in excess at all. And so don't do anything where it is degrading your mental faculties. And so, uh, you know, you think about the, the two sins here, drunkenness and carousing. Uh, in, in carousing, are people really in control of themselves? Or even for First Peter 4, with the inclusion of drinking parties, what's, what happens there? Well, somebody's going to get a little sloshed. That uh, seems to be the intent. Well, that that uh, is an excessive thing. So one of the things I did for this study was more than I had before, and I was surprised at the wealth of material there, was to look through the Scriptures at what the Scripture says are the effects of alcohol uh, to the level that is here condemned as drunkenness. What does what the Bible itself use to define uh, a drunkenness and excess? And, you know, the, the place it deals with it the most and gives you a pretty thoroughgoing list is in Proverbs 23. I think this probably is a familiar passage to us. Once we begin to read, you'll, you'll recognize this. Proverbs 23, beginning verse uh, 29, down to verse 35. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of the eyes? Those who linger long over wine. Well, what, what did it say in the New Testament about elders and deacons? Not addicted to much, not in excess. These guys are in the excess. This, this is a whole list of things uh, uh, that let you know uh, these effects uh, are the excess of wine. And it starts with woe. It goes to sorrow. It goes to contention, complaining, wounds, and redness of the eye. If you have those things as a result of what you're drinking uh, or you know other substances that you're using, you're into this forbidden territory. It goes on to explain that this that these guys need to need to quit it. They need to not uh, uh, have anything to do with this. Don't look on the wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup. Oh, it's so looks so nice. Oh, it tastes so good. Uh, when it goes down smoothly. But at last, it bites like a serpent. It stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things. Your mind will utter perverse things. And you'll be like the one who lies in the middle of the sea or the one who lies down on top of a mast. And then here's the words of the person involved in this. Oh, they struck me, but I did not become ill. They beat me, but I didn't know it. When I when shall I awake? Oh, seek another drink. Look at this list of, of uh, things that go with the excess of wine. First we have, who has woe? Well, this is a lamentation, right? In the scripture, woe is a lamentation. Woe to thee, Chorazin, Bethadia, uh, the, the seven woes of Revelation. Woe is a lamentation. It's a thing of distress. So here's a person who's drinking, uh, you know, and often drinking probably to try and chase their troubles away. But what do so many find in their cups? More depression, more sorrow, 
And so instead of turning to God and casting all their anxieties on him because he cares for you, 1 Peter 5, 7, they turn to their cup and it just makes it worse. And they feel worse and they get more depressed. And their problems don't go away. Their problems magnify. So so emotional uh, issues. If this is affecting your emotions and this this is causing depression for you, if this is uh, uh, giving you a dark countenance, uh, that may be a sign that it's, it's too much. Also, uh, then it says, who has sorrow? Well, in some ways we have, uh, to a degree in all of this, uh, the you know Hebrew parallelism. We have the same concepts uh, with uh, different words. We have the repetition of thought. Like in our poetry, we have the repetition of, uh, of, of sounds. Um, and here in Hebrew poetry, the repetition of thoughts. So it might just be a parallelism that the woe and the sorrow are the same, but there's a possibility here, and I think it might be so, that uh, this is a building, this is a parallelism that's building, not just simply repetitive. The sorrow here is a word that's sometimes used for people who have financial issues. I think there may be the implication in sorrow here that one has gotten themselves in a tight spot because of their drinking. And how many times do people spend way too much money on drink? And so if you're drinking, causing budget problems, that's a good sign. You know, that that, uh, that, that may be too much. Uh, there is direct warning about drinking and financial issues in other Proverbs. Uh, Proverb 23 and 20, so only 10 verses before this. It says, my son, do not be with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat. Okay, I, I'd much rather talk about drunkenness and gluttony, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't most of us. Um, but don't be with either one of them. Don't be with heavy drinkers of wine or gluttonous eaters of meat. It says the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty. And drowsiness will clothe one with rags. All right, so we see that he gets poor and he gets sleepy. So if if your drinking is causing you to be drowsy, you can't get up in the morning. You can't finish the day. Uh, you can't, you know, function fully and normally. Well, that's that's too much. If, again, financial issues, uh, it'll clothe you. Drowsiness will clothe you with rags. And so, man, sometimes you see a guy, you know, uh, he's looking rough. Yeah, he's on the bottle again. Yeah, he's looking rough. Uh, he tied one on last night. Yeah, he's he's looking rough. Why? Well, why is he looking rough? Because he's had too much. Another, uh, Proverb 21. Again, tying drunkenness, the excess of this uh, of alcohol with poverty. Proverb 21, 17. He who loves pleasure will become a poor man. And he who loves wine and oil will not be rich. And so... I, you know, when when your when your habits are costing you money, when your habits are costing you jobs, uh, when your habits are getting in the way of, of you know the prosperity that you normally should be having, again, this can, this is not just uh, uh, alcohol that can do this, but boy, it is one of the most common things that does. I recall a a brother in Christ, a very immature man. He was baptized uh, not long after the uh, shocking loss of. Uh, both his mother and his father, who's about the same age as me. And I really liked the guy a lot, but he was hard drinking fella. Uh, and he was, uh, when he worked, he worked good, but he missed a lot of shifts. 
he and he wouldn't have ever got hired back on a job, except for his daddy, the one who shockingly passed away. Except for the for that his daddy was the head of the union, and so uh, Junior, we'll just call him Junior. Junior got a lot of jobs because daddy was the head of the union, but he'd lose them, and and he'd lose them just for not showing up. When he showed up, he was fine. People liked him. He was a pleasant fella. He was congenial. I liked him. I liked the fella too. But he missed too many jobs. He missed too many days on the jobs. He'd spend up all, stay up all night playing video games. And this was a man, you know, around 30 years old or so. Uh, and this was 15 years ago. I can't imagine how he is now. I have kind of lost track. But uh, more than 15 years ago, uh, he'd stay up all night playing video games and drinking beer. And then he couldn't get up and get the job. Well, his drowsiness was going to clothe him in rags. You know, he certainly drove a pretty poor pickup truck. He, he, he was driving a junker of a car because he couldn't keep a job. He was living in a terrible trailer house because he couldn't keep his job. And so uh, he could still dress nice. <laughs> That's one thing. But, you know, you'd see his car, you see where he lives, and it was rough. His clothes were about the only decent thing he had left. But uh, this is what... This is what happens. So he who loves pleasure will become a poor man, and he who loves wine and oil will not be rich. So, so far we've got emotional problems, we've got financial problems. Well, what else did it say? Who has contentions? Ooh. So who has strife and discord in their life? Right? Because we already have disputes, dissensions, factions, right? Uh, it's part of the works of the flesh. Well, what fuels a lot of disputes, dissensions, and factions? Well, so many times in life, they're alcohol or other substance uh, fueled, right? And there's people we know are perfectly reasonable people until they've had one too many or they're uh, back on whatever it is that uh, that they're on. Uh, so who has contentions? So there's social problems with this and people get people get argumentative and sometimes they will get downright violent. Uh, they just will. Uh, I remember one fellow, a friend of mine in high school, and eh, acquaintance more than friend. Uh, but he and I were, we both played trombone. Uh, and he went to the other Church of Christ there in my hometown. And uh, uh, he, he liked to drink. And it, it, he always kind of had an edge to him. A lot of times, kind of, he was short-tempered a little bit. Uh, he was kind of rough a little bit. And he was a big fella. But when he drank, he was just obnoxious. And uh, who has contention? Well, if, if he was sober, he could rein that in. But when he wasn't sober, and I'm glad to say, uh, the youth of today do not drink at all to the excess that the youth of my hometown back in the 80s did. Uh, they, they've, they've moved on to other vices, maybe. But uh, that was the main vice in the town that I grew up in. But when he, when he would get a few too many, he was just terrible. Well, he got really contentious. And this verse speaks exactly to that attitude. Who has contentions? Well, again, it's the guy that, if, 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 if it's affecting your relationships with other people, and how many wives do they have to put up with a husband? Uh, you know, he gets, he gets mean when he gets, uh, when he gets to drinking. Or sometimes uh, uh, a husband's put up with wives who get that way. But it says back in Proverbs 20, wine's a mocker. Strong drinks a brawler. Whoever's intoxicated by it is not wise. And so a lot of people, they, they get a little drunk, uh, they get a little alcohol in their system, and they start to run their mouth. 
And when they start to run their mouth, they end up in fights and conflicts and all kinds of strife. And you, some of them you wonder, like, when are you going to outgrow that? When are you going to learn? Well, some of them do and some of them, some of them don't. Well, speaking of, uh, of verbal, uh, the next one is who has complaining. The King James puts it a little differently. It says, uh, who has babbling? And, well, so what happens when people drink? Sometimes they, they don't talk real clear. They begin to babble. They begin to slur their words. It's one of the obvious indications of having too much. It affects your speech. It affects how you say your words. It also affects what words that you say. And so sometimes you, you know, when people get to drinking, they, they don't talk any sense at all. And sometimes you can't make a sense of what they're saying because it affects things. So uh, as it says down in verse 33, the mind will utter perverse things. So you, you may end up saying more than you thought you were going to say. Or you, you may think you're saying the most clear thing and you're just babbling on. Alcohol affects what you say. It affects how you say it. And so we think of a couple of famous cases where people were mistaken as drunk in the Bible. Uh, Samuel's mother, Hannah, in her distress, as she was weeping and crying and probably babbling some or at least not speaking clearly uh, in her her tears, uh, the priest thought she was drunk. And when he said that to her, hey, drunk lady, go home. Uh, she got shocked and, and, and surprised, and then she's able to speak clearly to, to that address that. But she was mistaken as drunk because she wasn't speaking clearly in a way that he understood. Or the apostles in Acts 2, when they were speaking in all so many languages, and by their appearance and by their presence in the temple and so many other things, would clearly mark them out to be Jewish folks. But to most of the Jewish folks there, uh, the locals, they were speaking in a way that nobody could understand because they're speaking, you know, they list 15 different languages of which people heard their, the gospel in that day. Well, people see these local fellows saying words that make no sense to them. And what was their reaction? Oh, these guys must be drunk. And Peter said, no, we're not drunk. It's too early for that. Um, no, uh, these guys are speaking the truth uh, in a way that was prophesied. But anyway, they're mistaken for drunk. Now, some of that, I think, may have been a bit of an insult, intentional. But uh, there's a reason why that was the, if it was insulting, that's the insult chosen because it it, uh, it appeared to be uh, to other people babble. Well, who has babblings? Drunk guys. So if your speech is affected, you've had too, too much. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we're supposed to speak sound words, uh, which are above reproach. I don't think anybody can do that under the influence. All right. So it affects what you say and how you say it. Because it's affecting the mind. And then we have the, uh, you know, uh, as we go on there from uh, who has wounds without cause, there in uh, Proverbs 23, 23, uh, I think we start to see uh, mental effects. We have a guy that he's got now cuts, bruises. um, He's got some marks on him, and he doesn't know where they came from. Well, why doesn't he know where they came from? Because he can't remember. Maybe somebody smacked him when he was drunk and he doesn't remember. Maybe he smacked into a wall. Maybe he tripped and he smacked into the floor. Uh, we've all seen uh, people, you know, uh, either live and in person or, uh, you know, on Memorex and on video. Uh, we've seen people walk into trees and walk into doors and uh, sadly at times walk in front of traffic or the like. And so uh, if you if you have 
uh, these things go on and it affects your memory, well, you know, that's one of the true signs. You've had too much. And so if it's affecting your memory, like down in verse 35, they struck me, but I didn't become ill. So they just sloughed it off. They beat me, but I didn't know it. Don't even remember. Some of them, some guys, some drunk guys, you give them a beating, they don't even know they took a beating. And so people do things uh, because of the mental aspects of drinking. They do things without realizing it. They do it with having a no memory of it afterwards. Uh, that explains the one of the worst stories in the Bible, the story of Lot's daughters uh, after the destruction of Sodom and uh, their perverse plan to to have uh, progeny. And so uh, Lot didn't know what was going on because he was too drunk to know even that that was occurring. Uh, interesting, in Habakkuk 2, we have this uh, uh, warning, this woe, Habakkuk 2.15. Woe to you who make your neighbors drink, who mix your venom even to make them drunk, so as to look upon their nakedness. Well, here were people intentionally getting other people uh, terribly inebriated so that they could take sexual advantage of them. And today we call that, you know, uh, 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 you know some of those date rape drugs. Uh, people slip a Mickey into somebody's drink, or uh, they use those they use those drugs that uh, cause people to lose their inhibitions. Well, nothing new under the sun. Up in the time of Abaca, people were doing those very things, and it says you're mixing venom in the drinks. So I don't know what that was, but some kind of substance they uh, concocted to uh, overcome people's uh, minds, and so they could they could take advantage of them. So we got mental effects, and that goes toward also. Then physical effects, because we affect the mind and we're affecting the body, which is supposed to be, you know, the temple of the Holy Spirit. We got the physical effects. Who has redness of the eyes? All right. So if, if, you, if your eyes are bloodshot, if we can see the next day you had a drink last night, well, that's too much. If we can tell it today that you drank yesterday, nope, that's, that's too much. Uh, alcohol can be really hard on the body, and it can be far, far worse than just red eyes. This is one of the grosser passages. There's several candidates for that, but a gross passage in the scripture from Isaiah, Isaiah 28. These are the ones who reel so that they can't stand up straight and walk straight. These are the ones who reel and stagger from strong drink. The priest and the prophet reel with strong drink. They're confused by wine. They stagger from strong drink. They reel when having visions. They totter when rendering judgment. Imagine going asking the priest for advice and counsel, and he can't stand up. He's got to lean on something when he renders uh, his judgment, when he gives his advice, when he pronounces things from the book of God. For all their tables, and this is the gross part, all their tables are full of filthy vomit. There's not a single clean place. And these are the priests and the prophets. And they don't have a clean place to sit down because they or somebody else has already puked on it. And that's just terrible. And so these are physical effects. Uh, later on in this Proverb 23, it talks about things that may endanger your life and put you in danger of death. At last, it bites like a serpent. It stings like a viper. Well, those things will kill you. And so will the drink. Your eyes will see strange things. There's the mental and physical together. Your mind will utter perverse things. There's the verbal. 
uh, again. You will be like one of those who lie down in the middle of the sea. So you're gonna be you're gonna act like you're in the waves, even though you're on the middle of in the middle of dry land, <coughs> or like the one who lies down at the top of a mast. And so people do all kinds of things, um, silly things, dangerous things, under the influence. And if you do any of that, you've 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 had you've had too much. And so this guy who says he lies down in the middle of the sea, it might be that he is, you know, as is, is, um, unsteady as the guy in the middle of the sea on a boat. But sometimes there are people who, like, literally were like, go to sleep in a lake or go to sleep in a bathtub, and some of those guys don't wake up. This is this is what an excess uh, will do to you. And so people become more reckless. They become more unaware of their surroundings. They do really stupid things. Uh, they don't recognize the danger they're in. They are unable to deal with the dangers when they come up, even if they recognize them. And what does it say here at the end of that proverb? They beat me, but I didn't know it. When I shall awake, I'll seek another drink. So this speaks to the addictive quality and and why just a little bit of excess can lead to a whole lot of excess because it can be addictive. Then the guy wakes up. What's he want? Oh, I want some more. Well, you've got things to do, buddy. You got you got a job to go to. You got a family to provide for. You've got you've got uh, uh, things that uh, uh, you need to get done. Well, let me get one first, and then I'll think about doing it. This is from Isaiah. Isaiah says, Isaiah five eleven, woe to those who rise up early in the morning that they may pursue strong drink, who stay up late in the evening that wine may inflame them. So they end their day and they start their day in the same way. They start it with alcohol. And alcohol seems to be the very purpose. So there is clear excess. And, and there is a very strong warning to the Old Testament about how fleshly this is. But just from one proverb, all these different kinds of effects. But it's not just that. Uh, other verses that we might look at. Uh, Hosea 4.11. Harlotry, wine and new wine, take away understanding. And so uh, your moral reasoning, your moral understanding is, is lessened, right? That's why what we read from Luke earlier, from the words of Jesus, be on guard that your heart do not, is not weighed down with dissipation or drunkenness or worry. Uh, worry is class of drunkenness. Uh, let's talk about drinking. Let's not talk about worry. <laughs> well, maybe we'll do that later. That gets a little personal. But uh, the heart is weighed down. So the moral reasoning is weakened. Harlotry, wine, and new wine take away understanding. And this is the truth behind Proverb 31, where uh, a king uh, is given the name Lemuel. We're not sure who that is. Uh, we, don't know if, we don't know of any king in the scripture named Lemuel. It might be that Lemuel was uh, the name of, uh, uh, the, you know, like the personal name or, or, or nickname uh, of, a, of one of the kings we do know, but we're not sure which one. But it's mother's advice to a son. And if we have to identify a person, it's generally thought maybe because it's in the Proverbs it was said to Solomon, but we're not sure. But to some king, the, his mother said this, it is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or rulers to desire strong drink. Well, usually they got the best stuff. She said, no, watch it. Watch it, my boy, when it comes to this. 
for they will drink and forget what's decreed. So there's that weakening of moral reasoning. They're going to forget the laws they already made, or they may make laws when they're drunk. Actually, would that explain some of the problems today that our leaders are making laws while they're drunk? Maybe. Um, So they'll drink and forget what is decreed and pervert the rights of the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who's perishing and wine to the one whose life is bitter. Well, there are people who need some relief from this life. And there are people in situations of health or distress where some relief and this the relief of the uh, of the cup may be beneficial. But king, you don't need that. Is your are you in distress? I mean, you got it pretty good. You're the king, and you got too much responsibility. You got too much power. Uh, you got there's too much at stake. You need to be sober, boy. And this is one of those things where you know mom can say it, but nobody else could. You need to be sober. Give strong drink to the one who's perishing. Give wine to the one whose life is bitter. Let him drink to forget his poverty and remember his trouble no more. But the lesson is you you in, in, who have responsibility, you be sober. You find other ways to entertain yourself. Um, but uh, drinking, uh, at least on the New Testament, what with excess or dissipation, one of the passages in the Old Testament ties it together with stubbornness and rebellion. About the famous passage where the parents of a son take him to the elders of the city to be stoned because he's so bad. They take the son to the elders of the city and say, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He won't obey us. Well, why won't he do it? Because he's a glutton and a drunkard. That's why. He's a glutton and a drunkard. Uh, that, that's, that's the kind of guy our son is. Uh, he, he needs to leave the community. And then uh, one more. One more on this vein uh, from the Old Testament. And I find this one particularly striking in that it is one of the most famous passages of the New Testament is the verse before it. So we'll read it too. It's Habakkuk 2, 4, and 5. Habakkuk 2, 4 is quoted in the book of Romans and the book of Galatians. Uh, and I can't remember where the third one is. Uh, it's, but the, the quotation is that the just shall live by faith. Uh, we know that well. The just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2, 4. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous, or just, shall live by faith. The very next line, verse 5. Furthermore, wine betrays the haughty man so that he does not stay at home. He enlarges his appetite like Sheol, and he is like death never satisfied. He also gathers to himself all nations and collects all people to himself. And so the excesses of the drunk are in the original text of the just shall live by faith, put in contrast directly with the just man who's faithful. And so you can be faithful or you can be drunk. You you don't have a choice to be both. You can be faithful or you can be drunk. Now, yes, it is true that the Bible never says thou shalt not drink except in two places. There's two circumstances which there basically is an absolute do not drink instruction. Uh, the instruction to priests as they served in the tabernacle, carried over then to the temple as well. But Leviticus 10, verses 8 uh, through 10, this is right after Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire, and they became then the next fire in the tabernacle. The Lord then spoke to Aaron and said, Do not drink wine or strong drink, neither you or your sons with you, 
when you come into the tent of meeting so that you will not die. This is a perpetual statute through your generations. So as to make a distinction between the holy and profane, between the unclean and the clean. Well, what had just happened in Adab and Abihu? They had just died. And they did not distinguish between the holy and the profane, the sacred and the unsacred, the clean and the unclean. And so I think I think we can very reasonably conclude from that when Nadab and Abihu did what they did, which caused them to be uh, incinerated there at the right in front of the uh, altar in the tabernacle, the first time the people of Israel used it. I think we can safely conclude that Nadab and Abihu were drunk. And so the word went forth from that day, no priest can come into my tabernacle who's been drinking at all. No drinking if you want to come serve in my tabernacle. I think that should be a pretty strong warning to Christians about the uh, use and and, and, uh, uh, too much uh, abuse, uh, too much drinking. Another, the other, thou shalt not drink, regards those who were under a vow, the Nazarite vow. In number six, there's instructions about a man or a woman who would make a special vow, the vow of the Nazarite, and be especially dedicated for a term and in some special way to the Lord, to dedicate himself to the Lord if they're under this vow. You would abstain from wine and strong drink. He would drink no vinegar even, so not not even vinegar. Uh, Whether it's made from wine or strong drink, he will not drink any grape juice, nor eat fresh or dried grapes. So it's such an abstinence that there's no grape juice, there's no grapes, there's no vinegar, there's definitely not anything that's fermented, nothing from the grapes at all. All the days of his separation, he will not eat anything produced by the grapevine, from the seeds even to the skin. So no no, no raisins, no grape seeds, no nothing. If it came off a grapevine, if you were in this special vow of dedication to God, you didn't drink, you didn't drink, you didn't eat, you did not consume anything that was grape. Uh, two famous Nazarites, uh, Samson, uh, he would be, and he's said to be a Nazarite from the womb uh, so that uh, his mother was not even to drink wine or strong drink the whole time she was pregnant with Samson. And then Samson would ab- uh, uh, avoid those all the days of his life. And it doesn't use the word Nazarite, but it has the same restriction with regard to John the Baptist. In uh, Luke 1, he would be great in the sight of the Lord. He would drink no wine or liquor. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. That's one thing that's, and we have this in English too, this same play on words, that uh, we're full of the Holy Spirit, not full of spirits, right? Uh, so uh, we don't, you know, because uh, that, that uh, uh, spirit, uh, spirits for alcohol is one of the names for it. We have that in carried over just as in the scriptures in our English language today. So uh, like Ephesians 5, uh, you know, don't uh, be drunk, uh, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then also it says they're to sing in the Spirit and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And I think there is a, a, a tie there and a reference to the, the commonness of people singing when they get drunk. Uh, which, you know, carousing, that's our other word, uh, often went with carousing. So the drunken songs, 
uh, as opposed to the spiritual songs, the Holy Spirit instead of uh, spirits. So drunkenness and carousing. The Bible is pretty, I think, descriptive of what drunkenness is and why it is all cost to be completely avoided, not named among the people of God. Unless you think this is all, it also says, and things like this. And so what is like this? What's like, well, things like disputes, dissensions, factions. Um, You know, uh, it's like when you tell your kids, hey, stop hitting each other. And one of the kids goes, well, I was just boxing. Well, no, that falls under hitting each other. You got a different word. Or that's, you know, that's basically uh, the same thing, right? Uh, No fighting. Okay, we're just going to wrestle. No, no wrestling. Well, why didn't you say no wrestling? Because I said no fighting, right? And so uh, there's no getting around this by doing fleshly things just because they're not on this list. This is not the entire list of fleshliness. Uh, this, This is just sort of the highlight. So there is no lawyering around it. And as it says, I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you'd like to be disqualified from the kingdom, you act this way. Well, I'd, I'd like to be in the kingdom. <laughs> I, I don't want to act this way. And so we should avoid these things. And like uh, uh, Paul told the Thessalonians, we want to examine everything carefully. We want to hold fast to what's good. And we want to abstain from even and every appearance of evil. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Malvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at malvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.